loose of the Canucks. No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Breakaway chance, Kachuk sends it in front and a wide open net for Sam Bennett, who scores his second of the night off a brutal turnover of the Vancouver line. There are a lot of family men on the team, so I mean, uh, the rest I'm not worried about, but uh, it's uh, it's a little bit mind-boggling how you can lay two eggs in a row like that at home. That's not up to me to decide, right? But either way, it's a tremendous honor and I'm very grateful uh, to be honored anyway. Nothing really, I just suck at hockey right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Jason, good morning. Jason's microphone's not working. I'll say it for Good morning. Good morning. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. And Greg, good morning to you as well. Is this thing on? Hello. It is on. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the impeccable Kintec Studios where all the equipment works. Jason, tell the fine folks more about Kintec. Oh, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. 1,500? That's a lot. And they're not four-star reviews or three-star reviews. They're five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the Halboro Experience on a Friday. One, it's a Friday. Am I right? Huh? It's cold. It, it is, is very cold. It is bitterly cold outside. And Greg, I know that you're from Hamilton where it reaches minus 60. But you got to admit, this is a bit cold. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Your Ontario is yeah. showing. I had my toque, my scarf, my gloves. And that was inside. I will just say. just wanted to be cozy. It yeah. is colder here, though, the, the dampness, I think. It's true. It's it, it gets it right into you your harder. bones. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Okay, so and plus it, when you go to the steel mill, they've got those <laughs> blast furnaces or whatever they they call them. To, oh yeah, those, to, those to, are to keep you to keep you warm. Those are toasty warm. But you guys smoking in front of it, like this is good living. Okay, uh, big show today. We're gonna go to Qatar at six thirty in the morning and talk to Peter Galindo in the wake of Canada being eliminated from the twenty twenty two World Cup yesterday. So the result happened basically as we were going off air. In case you missed it, a 2-1 defeat to Morocco. So Canada has no points, no ties, no wins. Two goals, one of them of their own doing, and they are out of Qatar. They did not finish last, though. They finished 31st out of 32 teams. Qatar finished last? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Losers. Take that, hosts of the World Cup. So we'll talk to Peter Galindo about that at 6.30. We can also look ahead to the round of 16. I will say this. It's shaping up to be maybe the most global, the most worldly World Cup ever with all the teams that have qualified for the round of 16. I won't get into it right now. We'll get into that at 6.30 with Peter Galindo. 7 o'clock, Brady Henderson, ESPN, NFL Nation. Uh, we'll uh, look ahead to the Seahawks game this weekend. Seahawks definitely at a t- like crisis point, tipping point in their season after getting run over by Josh Jacobs and the Raiders last week. So we'll talk to Brady about that. 7.30, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, In Goal Magazine. When we booked Kev... Uh, earlier in the week for the Friday hit, I don't think anyone anticipated that Canucks goaltending would be the number one story in the market, not just Roberto Luongo, but now the Thatcher Demko injury 
as well. So we'll talk to Kev at 7.30 about all that. 8 o'clock, it's the Moj, Bob, the Moj Marjanovic. Uh, his beloved Serbian national team is in action today. I don't even know if he's watching it. I don't even know if he's still in New Orleans or not, carrying gumbo around from place to place. But we'll talk to Moj at 8 o'clock about all things NFL uh, and get into some other conversations. we got to do Ask Us Anything Friday with Moj as well. Speaking of, it is Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show. It is Ask Us Anything. Uh, especially today, Andy, if I'm not mistaken, we're giving away yet another pair of tickets to go see the Canucks play hockey. Canucks Coyotes, Saturday night, Rogers Arena. Man, the place is going to be jumping for that one. You cannot contain the excitement. Canucks that's gonna Coyotes. It's going to be like, it's going to be one of those games where you walk in there and you want to get there a bit early. Just you, feels you, electric. You just kind of want to soak it all up. You mm-hmm. want to be there for the warm-ups and you just want to feel the buzz of the place start to build. Yeah, the whole city's I, talking about it right now. It's crazy. Like, I, I was driving in this morning and uh, even though it's it's dark, out and everything but everyone's got their car flags on yeah it's it's i, I noticed it too a lot like of coyotes car flags oh well, yeah there's a there's lot a there's a lot of stature support yeah. a lot of stature oh my god uh so i will say this um i we got the email yes as we try and promote saturday's game that we're we giving away home tickets of the to the home of the canucks sports at 650 the sarcastic home of the canucks they uh um, we were the home of the canucks. i noticed that they, the canucks sent an email yesterday talking about all the theme nights that they're going to have in december yeah um, like, and I, I mean, like face I, painting night. Yeah, there's like gout, hungry, hungry hippo night, gout awareness night. Like I think there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> Did so, you know last night was brutal five one loss night? Yeah. <laughs> Crushing hopes. It's and weird dreams that they night. would pick yeah. that as yeah. uh, a yeah. theme, but. They did. Anyway, kudos to the players for just following suit too and just being like, okay. But I thought it was I thought it was funny because Tuesday was also brutal, crushing loss. Yeah, five one loss. You know night, why we right? lost is because you were sitting in the white color seats and not the blue color seats. True. If you yeah. would have sat with the people, we would have won. But That's no, true. you had to snob it up with the wine crowd. Also, puck management and horrific defensive. No, I like yeah, Andy, I like Andy's yeah. answer better. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely <laughs> the, the you defied the working class, and then the players went out and did no work whatsoever. I so. was doing deals. Okay. As they do in the uh, lower, I don't know. The highfalutin. He was, ask, he was asking for stick of gum, chapstick, that kind I of thing. I am a businessman. <laughs> anyway, the whole reason we're talking. Stocks? I don't know how it got to this point, but it is Ask Us Anything Friday. Oh, that makes sense. The the segment often goes off the rails. So uh, get your AUAs in now. Ask us anything. You can literally ask us anything. Uh, we will be doing them throughout the show if you hashtag it AUA and add a ticket emoji, you will be entered into the quote-unquote grand prize draw to see the Canucks play the Coyotes on Saturday night at Rogers Arena. Uh, two tickets for that one. So start getting those in now. Uh, as for what else is happening today, the final group stage matches at the World Cup in Qatar are going to be going down. You have Korea playing Portugal. Portugal's already through. Everything else in the group is left to play for. Uh, that's a 7 a.m. kickoff. Also at 7 a.m., you have Uruguay and Ghana. And then at 11, Brazil and Cameroon. Brazil's already through. Switzerland and Serbia to do battle to see who gets through there. Uh, There's three NHL games. There's 11 NBA games. We're also going to do our Play Now locks of the week today as well. So it's a big show. It always is on a Friday. Uh, But before we get into what's going on Friday, we have to tell you what happened on Thursday. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. Canucks lose, Canucks lose, and just when you think that you can't or won't see anything new from this team, the Canucks found a whole new way to lose and a whole new way to potentially upset their season. 
on Thursday night at Rogers Arena. Matthew Kachuk, Gustav Forsling, and Ryan Lomberg all scored within a 59-second span late in the first period, and the Florida Panthers defeated the Canucks 5-1 at Rogers Arena. That's not all, though. In that 59-second span, Thatcher Demko also suffered what looked to be a pretty significant injury. So Spencer Martin came in and could be the goalie moving forward for the foreseeable future. So the second consecutive 5-1 loss at home, you lose your number one netminder, and boom, you head into Saturday where we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Coyotes play the Canucks at Rogers Arena. You were there, Jason. What did you think? I, I was there last night, and um, I came home afterwards, and I, I'm not going to say drunkenly looked at the highlights, but uh, you know I was at the hockey game, and enjoyed myself while I was there. So um, I came home and I was like, it seems like a lot of the Canucks goals they gave up last night were really bad. And that was my analysis. I was like, they, they looked kind of like kind of amateur hour. So I, I watched them all. You went to the tape. I, I went to the tape and I actually wrote some notes on what exactly happened on all five goals. And we'll get to the Thatcher Demko injury. In just a bit. The first goal that Florida scored was a brutal Luke Shen giveaway. He threw a weak backhander to the point where there was no one but Florida Panthers. The Panthers made one pass to Kachuk, and they scored. So that's the first goal. Luke Shen, brutal giveaway. Second goal, another failed clearance. This time, it was Ethan Bear with a weak backhand. That didn't even come close to getting to the point. So at least Luke Shen got his weak backhand to the point. Ethan Bear just turned it over and yada, yada, yada. It results in a Forsling goal. 2 nothing Florida. Well, we'll probably get out of the first period though, right? I mean, down 2 nothing. that's pretty bad. But come on, guys. Pull it together. The third goal. The Canucks give up a three-on-two. And Demko makes three saves before the Panthers scored on their fourth try. Granted, it was a bad initial rebound by Demko. But please, for the love of God, somebody tie up a stick. Both Ethan Bear and Tyler Myers failed in that regard. So that's three goals in the first period. They're all pretty bad. 59 seconds. The fourth goal might have been the worst one. The Canucks surrender a four-on-three. They back up and back up and back up and back up and back up. And two Canucks go to the puck carrier, Elias Pettersson and Tyler Myers. And yet the puck carrier still manages to find one of two open Florida Panthers in the slot. The one open Panther passes it to the other open Panther who scores, and it's 4 nothing. Open Panthers. The fifth goal. Nils Hoaglander makes a horrendous cross-ice pass and misses Quinn Hughes by a mile. The puck bounces off the wall to Kachuk, who goes in on a 2-on-0 and passes to Bennett for the fifth goal. Ta-da! Stop! He's already dead! Ta-da, you have a 5-1 loss to the Florida Panthers on a night where the Canucks were supposed to honor the Sedins and Luongo for going into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Well done, boys. Oh, and by the way, Thatcher Demko got hurt. 
just in case that got really badly potentially. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to throw to you a few times here, laddie. I'm not going to get you to play armchair, you know, doctor. I don't think that that's fair, but um, did you see anything? Did Woodley see anything? I know we're going to talk to Woodley where you're like, oh man, that looks awful. Either the way that he had to move to make the saves or as Jason pointed out the fact he was flailing about just trying to keep his team in the game. Was there anything there other than, oh God, this is bad? Well, on the initial drop, you do see him. Like He made two saves after he was hurt. Yeah, he clearly got hurt right away yeah, and then tried to battle through. He, he had to uh, just keep playing even though the, <laughs> the saves and the shots kept coming. But uh, yeah, it's, it's either it's something on that right side. I, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Like you said, you don't want to play armchair doctor, but I, I really hope it's not his hip. Uh, we know he's had surgery on that, and he's right. had some knee issues as well. Uh, could be either of those things, and both of those things spell a bad time. So the speculation was this off-season procedure that he had. It was never confirmed. No one reported it by the club, but it was suggested that it might have been knee surgery. Correct. So, And he's had hip surgery before. So. That was a while ago. That was when he was still right, in college. Right, when he was still in college. Yeah. So either way, extremely concerning because he needed help off the ice. I mean, you were there making deals in the lower bowl. I'm sure you guys looked up and saw that poor Thatcher was being carried off the ice, basically, by his teammates. And you know what? If there was any air left in the building at that point, that really took it out because at that point, you've just given up three goals in a remarkably short stretch. You see your franchise netminder getting carted off the ice, not literally, but he's getting carried off the ice. And you realize that this two-game set at home could not have gone really any worse. They got outscored 10-2 to combined by the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. Two teams, by the way, that aren't exactly lighting the league on fire mm-hmm. through this point in the season. So we got a bunch of audio to go through. The theme here is going to be, wow, we're terrible. <laughs> this is coming from the captain, one of the veterans on the team, and the head coach. Do we have the Horvat clip available? We'll start with Bo this time, if only because, hey, we want to run the gamut of everything negative that this team had to say about itself, in which, and again, it really does sum up the season. They could not have come back home on a better vibe, a higher feeling than going on that mini road swing and getting pretty good wins. I don't even care what the opposition's story was going into them, but beating the likes of Colorado and Vegas and to a lesser degree San Jose. They come home and lay about as big of an egg as you can. Uh, Here's the captain on more. This is Bo Horvat following a 5-1 loss to the Florida Panthers Thursday night at Rogers Arena. They uh, they took it to us, and they looked like the more desperate team, and and they just wanted it more in the first period. Um, you know, I thought uh, in the second and the third, I thought we played a lot better. But at the same time, when you get down by three, and it just kind of takes the wind out of yourself, especially in the last couple minutes there. Um, just again, it wasn't a good enough effort for us tonight, especially at home. Now let's go to JT Miller, and JT Miller had a kind of interesting moment, which in the moment didn't seem like a lot, but I think it speaks to a lot more. So. Uh, when the game was more than getting away from the Vancouver Canucks, you were there. And again, again, you probably saw this. He fought Radko Gudis. Mm-hmm. In the context of the game, like in the AP, I think it was Woodley actually working the game last night, the Stringer writing the game story, it's not even worth mentioning. It was an inconsequential fight. Yeah. It didn't do anything. That, to me, was as big of a story as the actual fight, that it did absolutely nothing. Because this Canucks team on countless times this year, has fallen behind or gotten off to a horrible start in the game, and they look listless and dull, and what do they do? Someone fights. Someone fights. JT Miller was sticking up for Holglander. I know, but regardless of the circumstances, it was also one of those games where it got away and liberties were being taken with them, and they were getting their heads kicked in, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So Miller fought. 
good on him. He took on a tough customer in Gudis. If you look at the Canucks fighting totals this year, they're way up. And if you look at the times in the game they often happen, it's often when they're down 2 or 3 nothing, or they're getting caved in, or they're getting pushed around. And it's almost like they don't have any other plan for when they're falling behind or not playing well. <laughs> then, okay, well, maybe a fight will lift us. It's almost like the last vestige, the desperation of a team that has got no answers. Mm-hmm. I th- And I don't want to uh, round peg square hole too much here, but I do feel like this is a team that when you don't have any structure and you don't have any plan and you don't have any identity and you don't know how to play in certain situations, you fall back on, ah, oh, the boys need a lift. Yeah. We got to get a lift. You should have a few answers. Or it's in the almost bag. like this is probably something I should do. Yeah. And you, you know? need, you need a few more answers in the bag than that. You need a few more things to fall back on than that. You need a few more things as a team that you can. So Miller spoke after the game. And he used the word immaturity, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Greg? Yeah, he said uh, the team was immature. Let's hear more from JT Miller following the 5-1 loss to Florida last night. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's just like uh, immaturity. Like, we, we talk all the time about, you know, we weren't having our best period. There's three minutes to go, get it into the house, reset, and give up three consecutive goals on shift back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I mean, it's, you know, we, uh, we don't show uh, enough maturity as a group for a more, an extended period of time, and that's what we're working on. Immaturity of a group that has largely been together for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there are a few new additions, but these guys have been here for a while. And it always seems crazy to me that there's talk of just like doubling down on this group and keeping it together. And it seems like crazy talk to me when the management says we're just going to keep pecking away at the roster. Mm-hmm. Pecking away at the roster. When is it going to be fixed? In 2050? This team is fundamentally flawed from both the personnel on the ice in terms of their hockey playing abilities, Mm -hmm. but I think even more concerning, they are not a group that works well together. No. I just went over all the goals that they surrendered, and most of it was just because guys weren't in the places where they were supposed to be. And I heard Sat talking about this on the post-game show, and he called them a bunch of stat chasers. Mm. And, you know, I I don't know if I'd I, – I, I don't know. Like, Sat, Sat was – he just watched the game, and, you know, he's, fired he's, he's, he's fired doing up. another he's post-game show, and, like, you know, he's, he's tired of the – he's tired of seeing this. Like, And this was yet another home game where the Canucks laid an egg, which we can talk about later, but – they are a collection of individuals, but they are so far away from, um, you know, making it something bigger than a collection of individuals. That's yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's, that's all they are, it. right? Like they, their cohesiveness as a group is non-existent. There is some chemistry that I suppose you would have. Like within the line, like PD, whose last two games have not been very good, but like that line, I suppose, has some chemistry. But other than that, you're kind of like, you know, none of the defensive pairings really work except for Shen and Hughes once in a while. But even then, you're kind of like, yeah, all right, they've got issues too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it needs, in my opinion, it needs a massive shakeup. Like, to the point, I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, 
Next season, and it's funny because I said this last season, but next season, I want to see at least half the roster changed out. And not just at the bottom. Not just at the bottom uh, of of the lineup. I want to see some big, big changes. Guys that are playing a lot of minutes right now, no longer playing those minutes for the Canucks because I think it's the only way forward. Because if you go forward with this collection of players again, it's it's not going to get better. Like it, it's it's just not. Look at look at the games. How many times? How many times has Bruce Boudreaux, after the game, been out there like, I'm shocked at what happened. I'm like, are you? Yeah. Like, how can you still be shocked at what happened? It happens all the time. Well, he's not. I mean, I think I think the <laughs> the resignation in his voice now after repeating the same thing over and over again, it's getting louder and louder. And that's going to be the inevitable change. I mean, we've talked about this, right? And by the way, that Rick Tockett prediction of mine is looking a hell of a lot better than it was earlier in the week. But they they don't have it. They don't have fit. None of the pieces seem to work together that they have compiled on this team. Mm-hmm. It's like a puzzle where you're jamming together, and these are like these are two edges. They can't go together, but we're trying <laughs> our best. It's like trying to put together a, a jigsaw puzzle, but you've got pieces from like 30 different puzzles. Yes, right? And one of those In those, the box. The, one of them is those kids' puzzles that are the gigantic eight-inch <laughs> size ones. And you're like, eh. I hate, those, you're right? say, I hate those ones. You're yeah. saying this group of guys are it's not f- uh, getting together and building Ikea furniture together. No, it's they're not. not. I'm not going to go they're not. No, 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 no. They're, now, here's the bigger issue, for me anyway. And it's funny, Brian in the van writes in. He says, uh, this team falling back on fighting to get a spark is like ownership uh, falling back on constant theme nights to get a spark. I mean, here's the thing. I've talked about this before. And the moment that apathy washes over your collective fan base, you are screwed. Ask Buffalo. It takes a long time to get back. From apathy. Anger, you can get someone back because at least they've got an emotion that they can swing. You know how you say you can't love someone unless you're able to hate them as well? Mm-hmm. That's where that is at. With this, I mean, come on. Last night, you could you could see and feel and hear in that building that the Sedins and Luongo Hall of Fame night with Luongo going into the Ring of Honor, it didn't have the same sort of buzz or energy. I mean, even from the Bexa one. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, no, but I will say, you know what? I, having been in the arena for for the game, yeah. When the Canucks scored that fourth goal, or sorry, the, they it was four nothing Florida, and they yeah, scored. There, their there was only a, there goal. was a pop. It got loud. Yeah, I know. And I, I actually said to my friend who I was there with at the game, I was like, "Wow, like that was like people, you know, sometimes when the team scores and it's getting blown out, like people don't even stand up. Yep. The arena was on its feet. They just wanted to see something." And I think the crowds this year at Rogers Arena have been awesome. I, I like they they really have for what they've seen, they've been really really good crowds. There really haven't been all that many empty seats. There were a few last night. Well, I think but, it's going to get more and more. Oh, I'm I, I yeah for for sure. And I, I mean, I'm curious to see what the crowd's going to be like for Saturday against the Coyotes. I know on the secondary market you can get into the building uh, for not all that much. But my point is that. They, I think we need to talk about this more. Their performances at home this season, they've had, how many games have they played at home? Like 12 or 13? They've had six stinkers. Like outright stinkers. Mm -hmm. Where they've either badly blown a lead or even worse, 
they've just been outclassed, outworked, mm-hmm. out everything. How many 5-1 losses? Was the Buffalo home opener a 5-1 loss, It too? was also a 5-1 loss. So they lost 5-1 to Buffalo. They lost 5-1 to Washington. They lost 5-1 to Florida. They were uh, dominated by New Jersey and Carolina, and they blew a 4-2 lead to Vegas. Yep. That's six of their home games, and they haven't played all that many home games. Which is why I brought up the slowly creeping in apathy. And now I'm glad you brought up that there was a pop after the Dakota Joshua goal because I was stunned by that. I just thought there would be sort of a, a polite cheer and then everyone would get on their way. But uh, they look, this entire organization right now is playing with fire when it comes to the fan base because uh, it's not just the losing. It's that people are shelling out a significant amount of money, significant amount of time to go watch this team at home, and that's where their worst performances are. It's not just that they're not playing very well on the road and then coming home and, you know, scrapping it up and trying to make a good fight of it. They've been outscored 10-2 to after their best road swing of the year. So the paying customer at Rogers Arena has seen probably, I don't know, four of the five worst performances of the year, five of the six worst performances of the year. That is a very alarming thing. Do we have any Boudreaux from last night as well? I think we should go out with this, uh, where he was talking about, again, like learning how to win, knowing how to win, doing what it takes to win, because quite honestly, they haven't done nearly enough of it at home. And, and you know, it's, it's night after night of turn back the clock to 2011 and remember how great the 2011 team was with BX and the Sedins and Luongo. That juxtaposition now is only going to get more and more glaring because we are so far removed, both in terms of time and in terms of talent from that 2011 group to what currently is out on the ice. Here's Bruce Boudreaux on his team following, again, another 5-1 loss at home. Obviously, we have to box out. We have to come back harder. We've got to do a lot of things better. I mean, that very rarely happens, and, and it should never happen to one of our teams. And, and uh, uh, you know, until I really look at it again and, and – uh, get everything down. I mean, I can't really talk from all I saw was bam, 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 you know. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Brev show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to go to Qatar. The last of the group stage matches happens in just a little bit. Uh, there's the 7 o'clock kickoffs in just over half an hour and then the 11 o'clock kickoffs, and then that's it. We are on our way to the round of 16. Canada is not on its way to the round of 16. We're going to talk to Peter Galindo from Sportsnet next. Live from Qatar, we'll look back on that group-ending loss to Morocco. We'll look ahead to the round of 16 and some of the more tantalizing matchups from the World Cup. That's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Six thirty-three on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. So, World Cup twenty twenty-two, Qatar. The final day of group stage matches is just about upon us. In a half hour's time, uh, Korea and Portugal will kick off. Massively important for the Koreans, less so for the Portuguese, who are already through. Although they got to figure out where they're going to finish in the group. 
Uh, Uruguay and Ghana also kicking off at 7. This is another one of these groups that has all to play for. Every team is still alive. And we saw another crazy day yesterday at the end of Group E, which featured Japan, Spain, Germany, and Costa Rica. They cannot abolish this format. That was bananas. That was awesome. Yeah. How about the a few minutes where it looked like it was going to be Costa Rica and Japan going through? Yeah. And Germany and Spain would have been eliminated. And then Germany has this run of goals, which effectively eliminates Costa Rica. But Germany needs help from Spain against Japan. And I don't know if word got into Spain, but Spain was actually probably just better off finishing losing to Japan. And finishing second in the group because then they would get Morocco, correct? And Japan would be left with Croatia. And that's how it ended. There were so many things going through everyone's head during that. Even the announcers, I noticed, like, kind of fumbled it a little bit a couple times. They're like, "Uh, no, wait a minute. No, that's not the matchup. It's the beauty of the way that the groups are formed and played out right now. And I will say it's been very entertaining the last couple of days. Hopefully today will be as well. Let's go now live to Qatar for the soccer report uh, brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. He's a pro. He joins us now. Peter Galindo from Sportsnet, live from Qatar here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Peter. How are you? To be honest, guys, a a, a little sad, even though that – you know, Canada's run is over, and and they didn't win a game. It, you know, the the run was fun, and it's you know always disappointing to to see these things come to an end. So, you know, it's interesting because I I told Jason at the break it took me about twenty four hours, maybe even forty eight hours to to settle down and try and say and express exactly what I was feeling with this team because. Again, I don't want to diminish the accomplishment, the qualifying run, the fact they got the goal, the fact they played so well against Belgium. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And I'm just disappointed because I feel like there was, one, a lot left on the table. And two, at the end of the day, if you if you chalk it all up, there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds rather than the other team outdoing them. Don't get me wrong. They were outdone by the other team at times, but I feel like the disappointment, the mistakes, and the self-inflicted wounds might have told a larger story for Canada this World Cup than I would have liked. Yeah, perhaps. And, you know, I was looking today because I was doing a post-mortem for Sportsnet and kind of looking ahead to, to what's coming. And as I was writing a section about certain things like facing more marquee teams over the next three and a half years, which might be easier said than done, getting more players into those top leagues in, in Europe and, and whatnot. I was looking at some of the underlying numbers and one of the glaring things that really stood out to me was Canada overachieved their expected goals against by about five goals in qualifying. Right. And we know how incredible Milan Borian was in qualifying. Well, the difference here is, and I understand it's a very small sample size and a high-variant sport in a tournament setting that you're definitely not comfortable in, but therein lies the beauty or the non-beauty of, of, this, of this tournament setting. When you give these teams an inch, they will take it. And that is, I think, the, the overall lesson that this team learned, that, oh, we literally cannot shut down 
for even a second here. Otherwise, we're going to be one nil down and we're going to have an uphill battle to climb. And they learn that basically in every game, but just almost bizarrely in, in incredibly different ways. The first game was the lack of ruthless finishing. Second game was, you know, maybe just not tracking their men or, or paying attention to, to kind of their surroundings. And then the third game was literally just self-inflicted damage. Yeah, and the self-inflicted damage is what gets me. If you go back and you, you were to tell the story, and if, if you were very selective in telling that story, you could say, okay, they missed the penalty. They had one of the biggest howlers in recent memory. Uh, they had an unbelievable statistical edge in one match, one of the biggest since 1978, and they didn't score a goal. Uh, against Croatia, they had a chance to go 1-1 into the half, and they gave up a goal in the 44th minute. Herdman says the F Croatia comments, the Borjan blunder against Morocco. Like, I just kept piling these on and saying there were a lot of times where this team that let's not forget had a remarkable performance against Belgium to the point where Thierry Henry complimented them for playing the Belgians off the park. And Tata Martino, the Mexican manager, said that they put on a clinic. And then I just felt like there was enough good things or at the very least enough momentum that we should have had something more than no wins, no draws, no points, and only one actual goal scored because the other one was an own goal. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And, and I think that's what's so crushing about the whole thing because, sure, we are in a results-driven business. At the end of the day, you want to see your teams win. You know, moral victories only go so far, especially when you're a fan or you are a member of the team or coach, what have you. Um, so that is all well and true. But, like, it's, it's, it's just such a, it, it, it's such a confusing tournament in that regard for yeah. Canada because very clearly you have the context of, and this is what I think a lot of us who got swept up in this run, myself included, almost forgot to realize. Canada, outside of the MLS teams, did not have a domestic league until three years ago. Mm. And one or two of those seasons were affected by the pandemic. So really they've only had probably two proper normal seasons quote-unquote and they only have six players playing in elite environments whether that's in top five leagues or four champions league regulars like Shaku at Porto etc and you compare that to even Morocco they qualified for the World Cup in 2018 for the first time in 20 years and at the time they had about seven or eight tier one players as John Herdman likes to say and they were a pot four team. They got drawn into that Spain, Portugal, Iran group as the pot four team. They did put up a good fight, but ultimately finished bottom of the group with no wins. I believe mm -hmm. they got a point, maybe two points. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but the, the, the thought was, hey, there's a lot to look forward to here. There are a lot of Moroccan dual nationals that we can look at. Yep. And I feel like it's almost very parallel to Canada because four years later, you know, they made progress in the African Cup of Nations. They get back to the World Cup. They now have 14 Tier 1 players, thanks to really smart dual national recruitment. And they have a lot of youth on their side. And then four years later, they top a group with Belgium and Croatia in it and go unbeaten and have one of the best defenses in the tournament. So I feel like Canada can still follow that progression. But no doubt about it, when you look at it just in terms of the context of this tournament and even just the context of the qualifying run, that's what makes it more disappointing is that the opportunities were there and they just were not taken. It would be a lot different if Canada was just simply outclassed, kind of like in 86. Uh, you mentioned the postmortem. What did the postmortem have to say on the job that John Herbin did at this tournament? Oh, that look, it's, 
it's a good question because clearly the F Croatia comment, I think, is what he's going to be remembered for. Um, in, in fact, I think um, I think it was Pascal Siakam in a Raptors presser recently. He was asked about Cameroon. And, uh, you know, he kind of cracked a joke about like, well, I guess we've got to be Brazil. Sorry, Brazil. And then he kind of dropped a, you know, I don't, I don't want to pull a Canada. And I'm like, oh, God, we're at this <laughs> point now with this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like that in itself, I do think a little more was made about it in the media. But at the end of the day, when you slight, especially like those Balkan countries, I grew up with Croatians and Serbians. You do anything or say anything that could be deemed disrespectful, they are going to take that and run with it, right? So, like, maybe that's a lesson for Herman here. All right, I'm not going to do that again, at least if we're playing a Croatia or a Serbia or a Bosnia or something like that. Um, But, you know, I I feel like he, he, in general, there were certain things that he probably could have done different tactically, maybe with his selection. I do think his hands were a little tied just when it came to certain players health like a Stefan Ashtakia was fit against Morocco maybe they don't go 2-0 down like all these little things in 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 a three-game setting that maybe could have made the difference but I I do question maybe one or two of the tactical choices he made I understand I guess why he made certain choices like playing Buchanan and Davies inverted yesterday but I certainly wouldn't have probably gone the same way so there are many things that I think he himself along with the team will have learned that he can then apply in, in the next World Cup, provided he does stick around, which it seems like he wants to. Um, off the pitch, there was a bunch of lessons learned as well. You already alluded to the Herdman and the F Croatia comments. And it's, you know, there was something to be said about this team and this program and this association being thrust to the adult table that is the World Cup. And then everyone was going to say, okay, let's see how they react and they behave. And I think the, the moral of the story was that everyone's learning a lot of lessons now. The Alfonso Davies situation, I'll just let you take the floor and go whatever direction you want to go in because, one, I don't really want to rehash or give more oxygen to the Chris Jones CBC piece, but it's out there, and it's being talked about a lot, and your boots on the ground as well in Qatar. Uh, You're also a reporter, so have your go at this one, Peter. Right, so maybe I'll start by maybe adding some context from the side of the reporters who were maybe a bit upset that Davies and maybe other players didn't speak. So it's not so much of them who are, I guess, desperately wanting Davies. It's, it's the higher ups of their higher ups who are asking, Hey, we need an Alfonso Davies story. This is going to attract readers. This is going to attract viewers, what have you, um, you know, try to get Alfonso Davies. So the pressure is put on basically all the way down the chain to the to the reporters and they then almost come out with this quite frankly unfair narrative that Davies seems to be a problem look you guys watch him in Vancouver I watch him in Vancouver ever since he was 15 16 years old he has always been a very shy guy right and I feel like when he is comfortable around certain reporters, and, and those of us who've covered the team for several years, I feel like he's a little more open with us than, than other reporters, but still probably not you know, the open book that he might be on social media and whatnot. But therein lies the other point in that you know, one angle of it is, well, he should speak because then it kind of gives the fans some insight into who he is. Well, that's what his social media is for. That's what the TV interviews are for. Like Fans are going to see enough of Davies' personality and, and who he is 
through those channels, not so much in our article. So to me, whether Davies doesn't want to speak or any other player doesn't want to speak to us, that is their right. That is usually how soccer media works. You can be selective that way. Um, really, the key here is CSAPR, and I know you guys have dealt with this, they're woefully understaffed and they need help desperately to, to work together with the media to provide that content for the fans because that, to me, is, is the biggest possible opportunity we can get from this World Cup is that, hey, there's a lot of attention now. Let's work together so that we can provide more quality content and tell the stories the fans want to hear. Um, and whether that involves Davey speaking or not, I think is, is, is quite frankly irrelevant because you can tell a really good story without getting the star player every single time. We're speaking to Peter Galindo from Sportsnet, live from Qatar here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Peter, before we let you go, the tournament at large, now that the Canadian chapter has been written, they'll finish 31st of 32 teams, only or only ahead of the hosts, Qatar. Um, and another thing that I come back to, and it is part of the Canadian context, but I think moving forward, this is going to be a real focus for the tournament, is that the wacky World Cup, and that this has not gone according to plan for a lot of traditionally prominent host countries so or, pr- pr- traditionally prominent countries uh belgium's out germany's right. out denmark's out we're seeing large contingents and really stellar efforts from a lot of african countries mm-hmm. a lot of asian countries australia qualifies for the round of 16 out of nowhere you know those are the reasons that i thought that maybe there was more of an opportunity for canada but i'm ready to leave that chapter in the past moving forward uh, how intrigued are you and the collective media in qatar about this because uh, we're already seeing there's a large contingent of the quote-unquote non-traditional teams. That means teams that not mm-hmm. from South America and Europe that are making inroads and could really make some noise in this round of 16 and, and then moving further and further into the tournament. A hundred percent. And guys, I'm sure you heard it on TV, but those Moroccan fans in the stadium yesterday brought a terrific atmosphere. Yeah. And, you know, seeing how well they played at this tournament and seeing the atmosphere those fans brought, like I could barely hear myself think in that stadium yesterday. And just seeing the excitement that that they had, obviously making history themselves, first time in 36 years, they reached the knockout stage. And they're a pretty damn good team, to be fair to them as well. So seeing stories like that is great, but it also reinforces that when we switch to a 48-team World Cup beginning in 2026, this format, this four-team group format, needs to stick around. Yes. Because if you switch to three, that makes a lot of matches on the final match day irrelevant. Yeah. And it's good that FIFA is actually reconsidering this and keeping four-team groups because even just the drama yesterday involving Group E was scintillating. I was late to my deadline because I was just hooked to both <laughs> of the games that were on display, uh, Costa Rica, Germany, and then Japan and Spain where it was just end-to-end in, in, in both situations. And that's what you want to see. That's what you want to see as a neutral. That's what you want to see as a fan. You, you want to see entertainment at the end of the day. And that's what we've gotten in, in, honestly, quite a few groups. And I imagine we're going to see the same thing here later today with groups G and H because there's still all to play for there. So hopefully FIFA does end up keeping this format because no doubt about it, this has been entertaining to see some other teams stepping up. And sure, it's a bit of an anomaly this world cup because it's mid-season i'm I'm sure some teams are affected by that but regardless you need to keep 14 groups because that is what will provide the drama and don't we all love drama peter this was awesome man thanks a lot for taking the time to do this we appreciate it enjoy the last of the group stage games today uh you and i'll talk in a couple hours when we record our podcast and then we'll do this again on our show next week 
All right. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, see you, bud. Thanks. That's Peter Galindo from Sportsnet, live from Qatar here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. So, uh, I think we are all due respect to the Canadian team and and the run, all brief as it was. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to close the book on it now because it's over. Yep. It's over. So, and I'm still very excited about this tournament. I might be hard for some people that aren't really interested in the game or maybe just new to it to understand the impact, but I always love seeing something new. Like the joke was always at the world cup. Like you've got all these emerging nations and all these different federations and you've got all these different cultures and countries and ethnicities. And then at the end of the day, it's probably Brazil and Germany in the final. Well, right. It's not actually going to happen that one Germany's <laughs> out. But the other thing is that, and this is again, why I go back to maybe Canada left something on the table. You've got the Asian federation. Just think about the wins they have racked up in this tournament. Japan beat Spain and Germany mm-hmm. in the group. Yep. Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Mm-hmm. Right. That that right there, and you would be happy, right? But now they've got um, Japan, and really the Japanese team has become one of the stories of this tournament. Then you go to Africa, and now you've got Morocco emerging from a. Going into this match against England, where they've almost got, they're going to, they're going to be underdogs in a betting sense. They're going to be underdogs just in terms of the talent on the pitch, but they've mm-hmm. got a real chance to make some noise. You've got a chance for uh, Ghana and or Cameroon to make it today, and I think that right now you've got history already being made. It's the most teams from non South America or Europe. That have ever made it through to the round of sixteen, which oh, is cool. Well, we got a we got a question here from yes. Chuck in Vancouver. Ask us anything. The World Cup group stage has shown that the rest of the world is catching up to the traditional traditional powers. I nearly screwed it up again. Which nation do you think will be the next first time World Cup winners? So only a few teams have actually won the World Cup. Brazil has five, Germany has four, Italy has four. Argentina, France, and Uruguay each have two, and then England and Spain have one. That's it. Spain won theirs in 2010, by the way. Like to put it in context, a, a powerhouse, a European tradition, all the way dating back to the 40s and 50s with the amount of players that they put all over the map. It took forever for Spain to win its first World Cup. Mm-hmm. The Netherlands still doesn't have its first World Cup. The breakthrough for the rest of the world, quite frankly, outside of South America and Europe has been a long time coming. I don't know if it'll happen at this tournament, but they've got enough opportunities from these teams. And that's why, again, and I I will go back to the Canada thing one more time. Like Canada, what Canada did against Belgium was eye-opening to a lot of people from South America, Central America, and Europe. Yeah. Because they didn't just go in and scratch and claw. They dominated, and again, say what you will about the FIFA rankings, but Belgium was the number two team in the world at that point. And a lot of people said, well, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out and th- the numbers were, by the way, no team had ever been uh, given a penalty, missed the penalty, and then taken 20 attempts on net in terms of shots and not scored a goal and not gotten a result since 1978 at the World Cup. You look at it and you're saying, hmm, even if they didn't necessarily deserve it, was the opportunity still there for Canada? Because Australia, in a weaker group, no question, got bombed in a similar fashion. Like, they got completely blown out by yeah. French, right? Very similar to how Croatia took it, took care of Canada. 
But they found a way through, and they found an opportunity. They made good on the opportunity. I don't know if you watch. Japan. Is there, sorry, is there a country that you'd pick though? Just to ask. Uh, right answer, now, answer. right now, Morocco. Morocco. That would that would be the one that y- you think. Yeah. I, I'd like to see an African nation win the World Cup. I think it would be just a terrific yeah. story. Um, those African nations, they have challenges, right? I mean, they have uh, re- lack of resources. There's often corruption within the the organizations. They have the type of uh, challenges that you'd expect from many of the African nations. And it's, and it's sad and it's, um, it's uh, unfortunate, but what we're seeing is there's so much talent there that they are quite capable of, of beating on any given night, uh, a traditional power. And, but I would like to see them go all the way. So right now, Africa at the World Cup, Senegal in a must-win match against Ecuador in the final group stage match gets a 2-1 victory. Vault. That, that's right. a huge victory. Yeah. Tunisia beat France. Mm-hmm. I know France didn't have much to play for, but don't forget, when they went down 1-0, France brought the house. They brought everybody on to try and win that match. So that's a huge result. Morocco, I, if I'm not mistaken, seven points is the most by an African nation ever in the group stage, and they topped the group, which was a very difficult group. So right now... They could beat Spain, don't you think? Well, yeah. I, I think the, the way that the tournament is broken, and you look at the bracket right now, you've got some real opportunities for the African and Asian countries to make some noise beyond the group stage and into the round of 16. I would be terrified if I had to play Japan right now, because I don't know if you've watched them play, but... They are willing to sit back and concede possession for long stretches. Yeah. And then they have an ability. The quick strike is remarkable. They've done it twice. They did it against Germany. They did it yesterday against Spain. Where they can, It's almost like a flurry where they come forward and can really score an attack in a flash. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. We were up 1-0. Now we're 2-1 down. So that's going to be an interesting one as well. And then today, I have no idea how this is going to play out. But I know that Cameroon and Ghana still have a chance to move on, and I'm going to be very curious to see if they can get the job done. Because at that point, you're talking about nearly half of the group stage, the round of 16, um, being maybe countries outside Europe and South America. We have barely talked the NFL this week on the Halford and Bruff show. Uh, We'll do a few minutes of Seahawks talk with Brady Henderson uh, coming up next on Sportsnet 650, Kevin Woodley's going to join us at 7.30. Talk about the goaltending situation. We talk about uh, Luongo merely getting the ring of honor. Uh, and we can talk about, obviously, the Canucks' most pressing issue right now. Well, one of their most pressing issues is the injury to Thatcher Demko. We'll, uh, maybe Woodley's heard some stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, does the goalie community have like a WhatsApp chat where they go through all the the gossip and, and the goalie? Or, or is it some sort yeah, of... Yeah, we, like we like to gossip about you specifically. Oh, okay. Me, well, me and Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough. And then 8 o'clock, uh, a fun Friday hit with our pal Moj. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.